Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. Hope that you're doing well here today on Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. On today's show, we're going to continue to talk about the end of the year for Duke men's basketball. We'll discuss this all week long. Next week, we'll jump into our end-of-season reviews for various players and start to turn our attention towards next year and what that roster could look like. Those conversations are already happening, so we're going to have everything that you need to know about Duke men's basketball right here on Locked On Blue Devils. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Please be sure to follow and subscribe to Locked On Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're available each and every day that you can watch or listen to our show and your support of Lockdown Blue Devils means the absolute world to me. I'm going to have Josh Cox, my buddy from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast, here on the program with me today. Make sure you leave our podcast a five-star rating and review. Again, subscribe on YouTube and check out the Section 17 podcast as well. Josh, last week we spoke. We were really hoping that we would not have this conversation here today, and yet here we are. There is not a Sweet 16 game to prepare this weekend in Madison Square Garden for. Uh, instead, we're talking about the end of the year for Duke. Yeah, just a disappointing way to to, to end the season. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to dive into it. But, man, uh, if you really look at it, had Duke won this game, uh, the, the waters had parted uh, to get to the Final Four, uh, I feel like, for the Blue Devils. But, uh, like I said, just a disappointing way to end it. And, obviously, a team that had won 10 games in a row, uh, we just couldn't quite make it 11. Is it fair to say that within five minutes of the Purdue game ending, you had already connected the dots that it could be an easier path for Duke to get to the Final Four? Oh, 100%. 100%. And then it could have even been in the second half of that game when it felt right. like Curly Dickinson was going to win. You were already thinking those things. Oh, it was, it was wide open on our side of the bracket. And then the other side of the bracket opened up in, in uh, Michigan State, uh, knocking off uh Marquette and yeah you know you just feel like things are just kind of like you know I mean Kansas State all due respect to Kansas State over there they don't necessarily scare me and not that they couldn't beat us they definitely could beat us but uh you know if you if you have to if I had to put money right now on who's going to come out of this east bracket I'd put money on Tennessee uh I I think the Duke and Tennessee in a weird way and I kind of said it at the beginning were the best two teams in that bracket uh possibly and that game was a was a hard fought game. I know it wound up being what thirteen when it was all said and done, but it was a tight game all the way down to the end. Yeah, now Tennessee prepares for a Sweet Sixteen matchup against Florida Atlantic, and Duke prepares for next season. Unfortunately, so end of the year for the Blue Devils, and it was a game in which Mark Mitchell did not play. That has got message boards going wild right now, uh, rumors going crazy. But all we know is that after the fact. Uh, John Shire said five minutes before the game got started that Mark Mitchell would not play, and he uh, certainly once again proved to be the unsung hero of this team. Yeah, he started every game, you know, leading up. So that was the first game that he didn't play in, the first game that he didn't start. You know, I, I maybe had overhyped Mark a little bit in the sense that I felt like Mark could possibly lead us in scoring this year just because he could score from so many different places. That obviously you know, didn't come to fruition, but I believe that Duke fans – 
you know, even the casual fans uh, that maybe didn't watch every game but kept up with the team knew how much Martin meant to this team. He can defend multiple positions. He's six foot nine. Uh, he's got kind of a herky jerky uh, rhythm to him on offense that can make him really tough to defend. He draws fouls in the lane really good. Uh, he matches up against a team like Tennessee very well uh, on both ends of the court. I feel like he could have guarded um, a couple of different, you know, positions there on defense and then obviously on offense he's just that guy he gets the ball that euro step he can you know he, he tends to draw fouls and we definitely could have used mark mitchell there's no question about it and unfortunately for duke uh they did not need to uh use him in the sweet 16 game because there's no sweet 16 game to be played uh olivier um, would have been his matchup on the opposite end for Tennessee. He goes off and has a career game, career high, 27 points. And, I mean, those are the dots you start co to connect when you really think about the impact that Mark Mitchell would have had on that game. I mean, I, yeah, you see a guy like Filipowski trying to guard him. And, and and Kyle's a better defender probably than what people give him credit for. But Mark's on another level. And Mark can really get up in, up in somebody, especially a big, uh, because Mark's quick enough to stay in front of him. And so Mark can really – uh, close out uh, stronger on those bigs. And I, 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 the game would have been different. There's no doubt in my mind the game would have been – now, we may still have lost the game, but the game would have been different. It would have been altered and changed uh, with, with Martin Mitchell in that lineup for sure. Talking about the end of the season for Duke men's basketball, here with my pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. We'll discuss the season at large after our first time out here on today's program. Locked on Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, three-point shots drained, and so much more. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. We're recapping, rehashing the men's basketball season 2022-2023 edition. If you're watching us on YouTube in the comments below, I want to hear a couple of things from you. Who would you give the team MVP award to mm. for this season? An unsung hero, the best game Duke played, your favorite game Duke played, some of those superlatives. Uh, we'll have Josh Cox think about those, and we'll get to those a little bit later in today's show, I'll share some of my thoughts as well. But Josh, as we look back, year one of the John Shire era, the season as a whole, what do you think? I mean, I couldn't be more happy with the job that John did, um, with the job this entire coaching staff did. Uh, we had a team that was riddled by injury at the beginning of the season, um, and a team that from I would say the second to third week of January, I don't have that exactly in front of me when kind of the, the flip uh, began to happen. Uh, but this team started improving and throughout the month of February into the month of March, uh, this team really peaked. And so to me, that's, that is uh, uh, a, a result of good coaching. It's a result of good development. I love the fact that 
uh, in the video that Duke Blue Planet put out, you saw Derek Lively credit Emil Jefferson uh, for a lot of his uh, improvement there uh, on the floor. And, you know, Lively went from a guy that Duke fans, uh, you know, didn't really want to see uh, get more than five minutes a game to like, man, we can't have this guy out. Like when Ryan Young's in the game, like, everything changes. And so he really improved uh, specifically. But yeah, the, to me, the season is, is a success. I saw soon after the game on Twitter, there were some, you know, some prominent Twitter accounts asking, you know, would you label this season a success? And to me, that's not even a question. I mean, we won the ACC tournament. Um, we got better. Uh, we beat Carolina twice. Um, we avenged a loss, a loss at NC State. We avenged a loss at Virginia. We, undefeated you know, we, at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Undefeated at Cameron. Great point. Forgot about that. We avenged a loss at Miami. We beat them two out of three times. Like at the end of the day, man, I, you know, it wasn't a perfect season by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a successful season. And John Shire and his staff and the program uh, definitely needs to recognize that. Yeah, no, I mean, so many boxes were checked. I do think it's so important to take care of home court, as we discussed going into the tournament. Mm-hmm. These games were played on neutral sites. We know that Shire is going to be holding this position for many, many years to come. We also understand that, look, Duke is not going to go unbeaten in the rest of Cameron Indoor Stadium games played. Like, that is unfortunately not a trend likely to continue for Shire. But dominating home court is so important and in so many ways. Uh, the season has to be deemed a success. And really the player development, Josh, was uh, so important. We mentioned Derek Lively the second, but Proctor got better from the start of the year to the end. We saw Mark Mitchell continue to improve. We saw, you know, someone like Derek Whitehead, once he was healthy, he continued to improve. His shooting was outstanding. Like it really was uh, a nice, nice coaching job done by the staff throughout the whole season. Yeah, and – Duke fans have complained about the lack of player development in the past, even though I would argue guys like Jordan Goldwire, Emil Jefferson, we could go down the list uh, of guys who were developed. But this season, as you just mentioned, there are multiple players that I believe you can point to. And I, I even if you take the first two months of the season, a, a player like Jalen Blakes, I mean, who would have thought that for a stretch of our season – uh, that he would be starting, that he would have a game where he scored, what, 17 points? 17, and, yep. You know, um, and so I even look at something like that. Like, I think that was that was really big uh, for this staff. And so, you know, if I'm a player being recruited, uh, looking at Duke, I think if you point to a guy like Derek Lively, you point to a guy like Mark Mitchell, Tyrese Proctor, you see how, man, I can get there. And even if I'm a one and done, I can be there for nine months and uh, my game – is going to evolve and is going to improve while I'm in Durham. So that's, to me, that's a win, right? Absolutely. Uh, And that's something that I think moving forward, uh, recruits are going to be able to see transfer portal guys are going to be able to see Duke had a couple of portal players uh, play a good bit this season. When you look at someone like Ryan Young, Jacob Grandison, I don't know that he played to the level that Duke fans expected him to this season, but he was still a big part of the team. Like the future is super, super bright for sure. Yeah, and there's obviously a lot of question marks, you know, coming into the offseason. Literally, Duke basketball never stops because, (laughs) you know, I think it's April the 20th or something is when uh, the deadline to declare uh, for the draft or something like that. And then there's the 
the portal opening and closing and all those types of things. I mean, we, we, while it's already madness, yeah, it is, it is. And while I know we wish we were talking about an upcoming sweet 16 game, there will be plenty of conversation to be had, you know, in this off season about, you know, about what these guys do next and, and what John Shire's left to rebuild next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Five scholarships are coming in for Duke that we know of in the freshman class, meaning that you've got to replace five scholarships currently on your roster. Uh, a very easy one would be someone like Jacob Grandison, whose collegiate yeah. eligibility has expired. It's come to a close. Uh, but then there are other guys that have to make those big-time decisions, Josh, and uh, it's time that folks start speculating on what is the right decision for those players to make. Is the transfer portal an option? Is starting their pro career something that they want to do as well? Yeah, and I'm sure you'll have conversations with me and plenty of others over the next two to three weeks about – you know, who's going to make what decision um, in a perfect world. You know, you'd like to see guys make the decision sooner rather than later because the transfer portal does play such a role in college sports. Um, but I will say this. I do not believe next year's team is going to be reliant upon a, a splash in the transfer portal. I believe that we could – we definitely could use a big man. I wish, like, Oscar Shibway 2.0 – uh, was out there somewhere, you know, in the transfer <laughs> portal, like a big that you know could come in and start and going to grab you, you know, a double-digit rebounds every game and stuff like that. I don't know that that player exists, but that is a whole – okay, so I know this This is not about who's going to stay, who's going to go, right? That's not what we're talking about today. doesn't matter who stays and who goes. There will be a hole next year at like a starting center role. Uh, that's going to have to be – we're either going to have to play small uh, or we're going to have to use Ryan Young as a starter, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Coach Shire does not necessarily want to do. Does Christian Reeves take like three major steps up in the offseason? I mean, the kid went from like he's definitely not going to play to like, you know, to – He played. A little he played. Bit. Yeah. And, and when he's in there – I he mean, had six he, points against Pitt in the ACC ex- tournament. Exactly. I mean, he's going <laughs> to grab rebounds, and if you give him the ball in the post, he's going to turn around and put the ball in the basket. So, you know, there's question marks. But I will say, um, you know, it will be interesting. And the timing of how everyone uh, – you know, the timing of their announcements, um, especially if they're going to stay – I think that really does impact uh, the transfer portal. And so we'll see how that all works. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Ryan Young already saying he's coming back to Durham for another season, which is super exciting. Um, It, I mean, that's a whole nother discussion that we have to have about college basketball, Josh, that we need to make guys declare whether or not they're coming back. Right. A player like Jaden shoot, who I absolutely adore. It almost feels like we need to hear from him if he's planning to come back to play for Duke next year, which is crazy. Like, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it's all a given that that guy's going to return. But uh, I digress. It's a different day and age uh, in college sports for sure. Locked on Blue Devils here today. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. The calendar has turned to March. April is right around the corner. The draft is a little bit over a month from now on the NFL side of things. So tons of football storylines taking place. Tell me a little bit about the Section 17 podcast. Yeah, we cover Duke football. And, you know, uh, I guess you would say that Shaka Hayward um, and seeing what happens with with, uh, with his pro uh, career and does he get drafted or does he uh, sign as a 
undrafted free agent. I believe there's a couple of offensive linemen and Chance Lytle and Andre Harris off of last year's team that could that will definitely get some pro looks. And so we try to cover Duke football. We'll be there for pro day. We'll be there for spring ball and try to give Duke fans uh, kind of a fan's perspective um, on the team. And so we're fortunate enough to have uh, to have a media credential and we have kind of that access. And so that's what we do at Section 17. And so we're going to we're going to kick off some cool new things. We're going to be on YouTube this year um, and we're going to start a Patreon uh, page and all these types of things. And so we're just trying to expand and keep uh, giving better and better content, which is always the challenge. Right. You understand this, JJ, what you do as well. So like you always want to give uh, really good, high quality content, no matter what you do. So that's our goal uh, in the football world. All right. So I do want to get to some superlatives here for yes. the Duke basketball season. Um, best game, favorite game. It, it's okay if it's the same. If you want to differentiate the two, Josh, uh, when I pose that, what comes to mind? Well, I was a t- – and it, it has to be – I'm going to have to say it's probably a game that I was in attendance for. Fair. Right? So if, if that's going to be the case, it's going to be between the UNC game at home at Duke and the uh, Pittsburgh game in the ACC tournament. Um I think I've got to go the UNC game yeah. at Duke just because it was like it was the first one and it was like we all know what happened last year. <laughs> Believe me, we all know what happened. Um, and for Duke to come out and get that win, especially at that time, this was before uh, UNC was kind of on their free fall right. uh, decline. Um, and so we got that win at a very important time, and I believe that was great. Yeah, Not discounting the pit win, the pit win – was was wild. I mean, Ryan Young dunked. I mean, that's how crazy that <laughs> yeah. was, so. We had a, a Derek Lively insane performance in that UNC game. Yes. Like if I, my favorite would probably be that home game uh, in Cameron for that one because Lively was unreal. Uh, but you're right, that Pitt game, uh, Duke obliterated Pitt in the yeah. ACC tournament, and that was so much fun to watch. Winning the tournament was outstanding against Virginia. Yeah, giving that, talk, but you can't that say a Virginia. A, that game. was a bad basketball game. It was that terrible. Was, it was. It was not good. Yeah. Um, what was it? What was it? The other game, uh, JJ, earlier in the year was it the Syracuse? It was at Syracuse where we came out and we yeah. really we like throttled them. That would be the other game in my mind yeah. that would have were, been. There was a Georgia Tech game that no one because yeah. it's just so. Duke won by 40, yeah. right? Or yeah. I still think at the ver- one of the very first games of the year, South Carolina Upstate maybe, Duke only gave up 39 points yeah. in an NCAA bat. I mean, and their <laughs> defense tr- proved to be incredible all season, but you play 40 minutes and you only give up 39. Um, all right, team MVP. So this is, this is very difficult. Um, it's a two-man race, in my opinion, between the captain, right. uh, Jeremy Roach, and Kyle Vilipowski. Um I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it in the most uh, straightforward sense, most valuable. And so, what this means to me is, if you remove this player from Duke's team, we are worse, way worse off. And so, I've got to give it to Jeremy Roach. Um, I believe if you take Jeremy Roach off of this team for the season, there is no way in the world we even come close to what we accomplished. As much as I love Filipowski, and I love him. I mean, I I am the Leitner comp guy, like the whole deal. I love Kyle. Uh, I do feel like if Kyle Filipowski was not on this team, we would have figured it out. Mark would have probably moved down to that four. We would have figured everything out. We, we would have probably not been as good, obviously. 
but I feel like we would have been better than if we lost Jeremy. And so I have to give Jeremy the MVP and, uh, and he's got his faults, man. He's not perfect, but daggone it. When we needed something and we needed a bucket, especially he could go get it. And so I got to give it to him. I think Jeremy's a fair choice. I really do. The captain, uh, I think I would probably go Kyle Filipowski, yeah. uh, just given the scoring and the impact and, and just, man, that guy was so much fun to watch. And hopefully we get uh, year two of flip for sure. That's what a lot of people are wondering. And, uh, buddy, we're just going to have to save that for next week. Another conversation. Yeah, we could, have a, uh, we as, can, we can talk we all going. that. Oh, sure. yeah, we absolutely can. Well, Josh, thank you so much for the time as always. I look forward to talking to you again next week, okay? JJ, have a great week, man. All right, that's my pal Josh Cox joining us here on today's program. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. As always, thank you for your support. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on the podcast feed as well. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and Good day. Good day.